Welcome to the Motherhood Unfiltered podcast. We are a group of moms striving to bring balance to motherhood with lots of laughs and some tears along the way. We seek to walk alongside you in this journey as we learn and grow from one another. Hello friends, it's Justine and on this episode we'll be talking about what they don't tell you about postpartum. Today we have my fellow Motherhood Unfiltered collaborator, Brianna, to share her experience with postpartum. For those of you that don't know, postpartum are the days, weeks, months, and years following having a child. Brianna and I first met at work several years ago. We ran an after-school club together, and even though we don't work together anymore and we don't live anywhere near each other, we've still remained really good friends. Yes, you've definitely been such a great friend to me, and it's definitely a friendship that I enjoy so much, Um, but I'm so excited to be given the space to talk about this today. Yes, thank you for joining us. Now, let's start at the beginning. So, as many of you know, my name is Brianna. I have a little two-year-old that runs my life, but in the (laughs) best way possible. Yes. My husband and I are kind of in a phase of life where we are definitely considering number two. <laughs> and although the idea of being pregnant does work, it, it worries me a little, um, mm-hmm. but I do at least feel like I'll be a little more prepared this time around, even though um, I've heard each pregnancy can be so different. Oh my gosh, I know. I've heard the same thing. And that's such an exciting phase to be in though, you know, to just be, even if it's just considering to be thinking about, you know, baby number two. So I'm super excited for you. you. Um, So how did you prepare for postpartum with your son? So to be completely honest, I I really didn't. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So let, I just, I do want to start off by saying though that I am not a medical professional. I don't claim to know everything. I'm Mm -hmm. only speaking from my personal experience. But I remember my last week of work before going on maternity leave, I was sitting at my desk and one of our coworkers was talking to me about giving birth and telling me her birth story. And Mm -hmm. it was a really positive experience for her. It was not one of those horrible ones that literally no pregnant mom really wants to hear. (laughs) Um, PSA, PSA. I'm kidding. Yeah. But, um, But one thing she did say, she said, The one thing nobody told me was how much you bleed afterward. Like you're literally in adult diapers for weeks. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you what? In a what? Like, (laughs) but why? (laughs) And honestly, it just spoke to the tone that in general, no one prepares you for postpartum. They talk Mm -hmm. about giving birth all day long, but not about what happens after your body literally pushes out another human being. Mm-hmm. And I remember after my coworker said that, I I was thinking, I've never heard of that before, so it must just be a her experience. Like, that's not going to happen to me. That's just right. her. Like, something was probably wrong. So that's right. why she bled for forever, you know? <laughs> I genuinely right. remember thinking that. Yeah, um, but I'm assuming thinking that wasn't necessarily the case. No, it was not. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't you tell us what your experience was like postpartum? Sure. So let me give you some backstory. My contractions were not textbook. I didn't even know I was contracting. Um, Mm -hmm. They just felt like bad period cramps. I went in at 4.30 a.m. 
was four centimeters dilated and 80% effaced with a bulging bag, which basically just means my water was about to break. Mm -hmm. So they decided to admit me. And within two hours, I was eight and 100. Mm -hmm. Nothing about this was apparently normal to my experienced nurse. She kept asking me, are you sure you're a first time mom? Like, (laughs) no, I forgot. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. She like could not believe me. (laughs) <laughs> and so um, I got my epidural and I stayed at an eight and a hundred for 10 hours. Oh I pushed goodness. for two. I know. I pushed for two. The doctor estimated my son would be seven pounds. He came out nine pounds. <laughs> we both had fevers. So we had to be in the hospital and be watched for 48 hours. So it was just this whirlwind of ups and downs and then slow and then fast all day long. You know, and I think that a lot of people, when they tell their birth story, they usually do tell about the labor, you know, they'll tell you how long they were in labor for, you know, how long they were contracting for, but that's usually where their, you know, their story ends because you, you go to the hospital. And I remember the day that you went to the hospital because I was like anxiously waiting by my phone (laughs) all day for the arrival of Luke. Um, But it's just so crazy. You know, you hear about women who are laboring for so long, at least, you know, most women do. There are the lucky ones that don't labor for very long. Right. But then it's like, (laughs) Yes. And my sister-in-law. But then all of a sudden it's like after all that, after all that exhaustion, you just have this tiny little human that you now get to love on and care for. Right. And it, it really is surreal. I remember my first night in the hospital looking over at him and I'm like, he doesn't look like me. Like (laughs) you just, you know, it's like such this moment of like, like mm-hmm. I've been preparing for a baby, but now I have a baby and doesn't f- it was it's a really like surreal moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but by the time I had him, I was exhausted. Yeah. I'll spare everyone here listening the details, but there had been literally nothing in my system for 24 hours at at the point of starting to push and mm-hmm. I was just done. And even past 24 hours by the time I gave birth, because like you literally push out a baby, right? Mm-hmm. They sew you up depending on what went on down there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, they gave us an hour of bonding time alone. Like they wouldn't let guests come in. And then finally guests were able to come in for a little bit, but maybe only like 30 minutes. And mm-hmm. then they turn your epidural off as soon as you give birth. And as soon as they're done with everything mm-hmm. and they want you to stand up and, and get out of bed and ride this uncushioned wheelchair to your postpartum room. And I remember like the funniest story. Cause I feel like I kept my composure very well as in like, I wasn't this like snappy rude person, especially after I got the epidural. It was like, I could, I could have had my nails done. Like I was, yeah. you know, living the life. <laughs> And at St. Joseph's, which is where I gave birth, they have this thing to where when you're leaving your room, you push this button and the whole hospital gets to hear. And that means that a baby's just been born. And so it's, yeah, it's like a really sweet sentiment, even for the ones who are not in there for like, it rings throughout the entire hospital. Mm -hmm. And so I'm literally like propping my body up on the wheelchair so I don't have to sit on anything (laughs) and and my nurse is like do you want to push the button she was the sweetest thing do you want to push the button sweetie and I looked at Brandon all you push it I'm not (laughs) I'm not moving (laughs) because I was so sore like you're just I mean for obvious reasons like you're you know you're sore 
Oh my gosh. That is just, that just sounds <laughs> so incredibly exhausting. And yes. so you said you had had like no food for 24 hours. So I'm just curious where was Brandon eating during this 24 hour period? So that's a really funny question. So at first he was like, I am not going to eat if you don't get to eat and mm-hmm. I'm not eating. That's not fair. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it was about one o'clock. And I had like asked him something and he got really snappy at me. And I was like, oh, no, <laughs> this is not going to work. Go get yourself a sandwich. Like, go eat. Like, I can't do this. Yeah. You know? And so luckily, right across the street, there was a subway. And so my family, because I had only wanted Brandon in the room whenever um, I gave birth. And mm-hmm. so my family went and got a sandwich brought it back. He went, you know, right out to the waiting room that was like not even that far from my room and he ate it. So I didn't have to smell it. And then he came (laughs) back. Well, that was nice. (laughs) Yes. But yes, he did eat. He did try though. So I appreciate that. That is really sweet. Yeah. I can't imagine, you know, going through all of that and then not getting to eat and then having to stand up and move other rooms I didn't even know that was a thing because in the hospital that Magnolia was born in the room that she was given birth to in was the same room that her birth mother recovered in and so I didn't know that there were hospitals that um, actually had you move after giving birth so that's something new for me so I just think for our listeners out there if you haven't experienced labor and delivery at the hospital that you potentially will be delivering at it would be a really good question to ask your healthcare provider right and same I was 10 when my sister was born and my mom did not move rooms either so I'm sure it's honestly up to the hospital which that's one thing I definitely recommend is taking a hospital tour That Mm -hmm. comforted me a lot, knowing exactly what the rooms looked like, where I was going to stay, and then what the rooms looked like when I was going to heal. I'm a very visual person, so Mm -hmm. almost like it helped me to visualize the day in a way. Yeah. So it just really helped me a lot. But after giving birth, like I said, I could barely stand. Mm -hmm. I think that was the part that was the most shocking to me. Yeah. For the next, like, 48 hours, I needed assistance getting up. Like, getting up took, like, just to get to the bathroom in the hospital room was, like, a five-minute deal because it took so long to just get up, going to the bathroom I needed assistance, you know, getting back into bed. I mean, I was just weak. Like, my whole body just felt really weak, Mm -hmm. and it was such a humbling experience. Yeah. I kept apologizing to Brandon, like, I'm so, so sorry. You have to watch me pee. <laughs> like, Cause I'm extremely independent. So this right. is, it was really hard for me. I'm sure that's hard for a lot of women um, to just be, you're just in such a vulnerable state at that point mm-hmm. that you really do have to rely on somebody else. But I can say that speaking from someone with a different perspective, that watching a woman give birth is by far the most beautiful thing I've ever had the privilege to witness. And yeah. I just am like, even getting teary eyed right now, even thinking about it because it's just so beautiful. And for the longest time, you know, when Jordan and I started talking about having a family, I was just like, Oh, I don't want to look, I don't want to see like, it's going to be so gross. And, but when it's your child, it is beautiful. It is the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. Yeah. And 
I think that after you've seen that miracle of life being brought into the world, watching you pee (laughs) is not a big deal. Right, right. And I mean, he was there the entire time, like you said. So watching me pee was, sorry, TMI listeners. If you didn't know, this is probably going to be a TMI episode. (laughs) But watching me pee was so not the messiest thing that he had seen in like the last like day or so. Mm -hmm. But a few other things that shocked me postpartum was the excessive bleeding. Mm -hmm. Um, So by the way, my coworker was not special and she was not (laughs) correct. That's definitely something that happens. Yeah. Nurses coming in the room every few hours to push on your stomach, to push out the placenta, which was a whole other thing I didn't know about. Mm -hmm. Um, Some women experience postpartum contractions I did not. I've heard that they're not as bad, though, as actual contractions. But then again, I barely felt mine. So maybe that's why, Mm -hmm. you know, I didn't feel them in general. I remember the nurse coming in and telling me that there was this test she had to take. And I Mm -hmm. thought it was and like it was such a blur. So I just remember her saying something, something about a test. And I literally started crying. And I was like... I'm in so much pain. Like, I can't, like, nothing else can go down there. Like, oh my I can't gosh. handle it. And she's like, no, sweetie, I'm telling you the results of your test are going to be ready. Like, we Aww. did that. Like, And she was, like, so comforting. But I remember, like, tears because it's just, like, there's so much going on, mm-hmm. you know, all at once. And yeah. then you have the emotions of my son. And I don't know if this is normal, but like my son like was getting poked and prodded every few hours to draw blood. Mm-hmm. And so honestly, in general, you just feel like a bus hit you. Yeah. Your body is tired. You're mentally, emotionally tired. And you're trying to take care of this little human being you've never had to take care of before. I mean, I was trying to breastfeed, which it's new to me. It's new to him. It's mm-hmm. it's all new and it's all happening at one big moment of your life. Right. And so it was just a lot mentally for sure. Yeah. And with all that bleeding, it's kind of like, hey, you've had a several, you know, month break of no bleeding. Now we're going to make up for it. Right. Oh, you seriously. Know? Yeah. For real. So, <laughs> you know, with all that excess bleeding, what did the hospital provide you to help with all of that bleeding? Yeah. So again, I don't want to speak for every hospital, but my hospital provided the pads needed, honestly, more like diapers. Mm -hmm. It's really weird. They're more like underwear that are like, like a big, yeah, like a big baby. You're like, you feel like a big baby. You know, you just had a baby. Now you're a big baby. (laughs) They also provided witch hazel round pads that you are supposed to line the diaper. I'll just call it that. Mm-hmm. Um, the diaper with or the pad with. They also provided dermaplast spray that helps slightly numb down in that area. Mm-hmm. So it isn't super sore. And a Pero bottle, which is a bottle that you spray to clean yourself. So okay. it was crazy, honestly. Every time I used the bathroom, I had a routine. Mm-hmm. So if you had to get stitches, you can't wipe. Mm-hmm. It's like a surgery. Like you can't be around that area. So you use the bottle to clean, you pat dry, then you spray, and then you <laughs> use the witch hazel pads to line a new diaper. Just after giving birth. 
just after giving birth. Yeah. <laughs> They're trying to get you into a routine. So you can just know what that feels like. Apparently, <laughs> I don't know. And that's what worked best for me. Mm-hmm. But the awesome thing is birthing portions of the hospital are open 24 seven because you can't just shut down and say, well, you can't get birth between right. you know six and 6am. Mm-hmm. So especially during COVID, I know a lot of hospitals most likely aren't allowing physical tours, which is where I learned what all they would be providing. So I would highly recommend just calling and asking. You'd be shocked at how much the hospital really does give you. Yeah, that was something I was not expecting. When we went home with Magnolia, they had like this whole goodie bag for us. And it had a whole package of diapers, like an actual wow. like a package of diapers you would buy at like Target. And really? yeah, and several packages of wipes. And then they gave us like several days worth of formula. Awesome. I'm like, wait, do we have to pay for this? <laughs> They're like, yep, here you go. And so, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's really nice, you know, that yeah. they, they consider you in that. So after right. all of this and you were able to go home, did the postpartum stop once you got home or were you still experiencing things? Yeah. So I was shocked at how long it took my body to recover. Mm-hmm. I was stupid at how much I did not let my body recover. So we had a really close friend who was having a live recording that he wanted us to be a part of. Mm -hmm. And the only weekend that was free was a week and a half after Luke was born. And I was like, oh, well, he's not coming late. I will have this baby and we will be there. Yeah. And people would say, like, I remember people saying, like, oh, you're going to have the baby and that's going to change. No, mm-hmm. like, I was still dumb. I still, at a week and a half postpartum, was on stage singing and worshiping, like, literally, like, nobody knows I'm still wearing a diaper yeah. like, <laughs> up here. And I... I don't think I let my body really recover. So definitely Mm -hmm. 100% recommend not doing that and letting it recover. But because even at my five or I can't remember it's five or six weeks, but my five or six week checkup, my doctor was even like, you know, you're healing and I'm, I'm not worried. So I don't want you to worry, but you're just not quite where I like to see moms at this stage postpartum. Mm -hmm. So the bleeding took a while to stop. The soreness in general took some time as well. I'm going to like be TMI for a second. So again, Mm -hmm. you could just fast forward like five (laughs) seconds if you don't want to hear. Hey, it's motherhood unfiltered. I know, right? (laughs) But there's literally no other way to explain how I felt other than I literally felt like everything inside of me was going to fall out. Like that's kind of like, it was like this odd pressure Mm -hmm. and Oh my word, the hair loss. I started balding rather quickly Mm -hmm. and I still to this day have to use hair growth shampoo. I've heard that from so many moms out there. Like their hair is so like luscious and beautiful for pregnancy. And then it's like Mm -hmm. all of a sudden hair falling out everywhere. Yeah. I know that for our listeners out there, they might be interested to know what kind of shampoo that you're using. Yeah. So I'm sure there are more natural options out there which I definitely would like to research. But right now I use Biotin shampoo and that's spelled B-I-O-T-I-N. And you can find it on Amazon. But I also know another mom who takes Biotin pills and that helps her. And she also found those on Amazon. So yeah, that, and that's helped me tremendously. Mm -hmm. Um, 
even like there was a period of time where I stopped using it and I could tell instantly. So yeah, it just really helps with that hair growth in general. But one thing too, that I couldn't believe postpartum was the, the whole emotional aspect that came with it. Mm -hmm. Um, I was constantly on edge. I was anxious. I was panicky. I was full of fear and worry. Yeah. Is my little one going to stop breathing? What is he trying to tell me right now? I have no idea. Does that make me a horrible mom? It does. I'm a horrible mom. I mean, the thoughts were literally endless. Yeah. I would constantly, I mean, you think of the worst case scenarios and why you do it to yourself. I have no idea, but I would do it. Mm -hmm. And it threw me through a loop because it's really out of character for me to be like that. I totally get it. And part of me wonders if I'm like that because right now, like Magnolia is my first child. So I wonder if I'm going to be consumed with like that panicky, anxious fear when we have another Um, because Magnolia has always been a great sleeper even since the beginning, but I wasn't getting good sleep, even though she was sleeping great because I was waking up in a panic. I put my hand on her chest to make sure she was breathing. And then there were a couple nights that I just kept having the same nightmare that she had like bit on her passy and was choking, even though she has no no teeth. So it's like (laughs) totally like irrational, but you're just like so consumed by all these different emotions that you want to make sure that they're okay, that you're just, I don't know, in this kind of state of operating by day to day, I guess, or moment to moment. I don't even know if that makes sense, but it's just, you just are basically in survival mode. Right. And if you don't have a child, there's times where you think like, oh my gosh, like that mom is so much, you know, and then you become Mm -hmm. a mom. And yes, there are things that definitely I said I will never do and I do. And there are a lot of Mm -hmm. things that I say I will never do and I have never done. Yeah. But I think that fear, it's not healthy and it's not Mm -hmm. irrational and you do have to learn to overcome it. But I don't know one mom that hasn't felt that at some point in their motherhood journey. Mm -hmm. And I remember you telling me your experiences after bringing Magnolia home. And I thought that was such an amazing thing because it shows that you don't have to give birth to experience postpartum. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I had actually, I did a lot of research before, um, we adopted Magnolia and I actually read an article about postpartum that was specifically made for adoptive mothers. And so I knew there was a chance that I could experience some of those things. And so, I mean, obviously there wasn't any bleeding or hair loss for me, but something that I really suffered from was guilt, which I wasn't expecting, but you watch this other woman give birth and it's the most beautifully broken experience. And I'm just looking at my daughter feeling like the most insane amount of joy and just, I mean, my heart is just exploding because it's, right. it's just so indescribable. But then on the flip side of that, her birth mother is simultaneously feeling all this pain. And so then my heart is breaking for her. And so right. it's just this heartache that I can't really fully describe. And it it's a lot of emotions to be going on in one room. Right. For sure. And I feel it is definitely not something a lot of people think of when it comes to adoption. Mm -hmm. At least I know I hadn't ever considered that part, 
But um, I know we talk a lot about the adoption triad mm-hmm. in a later um, podcast. So stay tuned, listeners. But I don't want to get into that because I know you talk a lot about that later on. Yeah. Uh, but I just never would have considered you hear adoption and you only think of sometimes the birth parents mm-hmm. and not, you know, and like you said, it's just so many emotions going on at one time. Yes. And I've never been like this insanely overly emotional person. I've not been the type to like cry in front of people. I'm more of like cry in a shower kind of gal. Um, <laughs> mostly because I just like to release it, you know, do my ugly cry by myself. Right, right. But I was, I remember I was talking to um, Magnolia's birth aunt and she was telling me, you know, don't judge me. I'm probably going to cry a lot. And I told her, well, don't judge me because I'm probably not. And <laughs> I was so insecure that like they were going to think I was like this non-loving human if I couldn't cry <laughs> when Magnolia was born, which I genuinely thought like, I'm not going to cry. Like, I just don't cry. Like I knew I would cry in private, like once the magnitude of the situation would hit me, but I didn't think I'd cry in that room. And I was so wrong. Like (laughs) the love that I have for her birth mother, like just going through labor, I was already crying like before she was even born. And so it was just something I was not at all expecting. And I feel like even after almost eight months, I still am like way more emotional than I ever was. I Mm -hmm. just cry in movies that I've seen a million times and have never cried before. Or if someone writes me a really nice card, I'll actually cry at it. Like it's just, (laughs) it's just the weirdest thing. But I just think life is so much more precious now that Magnolia is here that I just Mm -hmm. cannot help myself. Right. And I feel like our babies bring that out in us a lot. For sure. Because I wasn't like that either. But even like today, part of my job, I work for a company and it's going on Instagram. And today they had posted like, hey, let's spread some positivity. Like what's something sweet that's been happening to you during this time Mm -hmm. or that you've done? And the first one was this lady said that her brother went grocery shopping for her when COVID hit because mm-hmm. she's high risk and she just really appreciated that. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Like two years ago, I would have been like, oh, that's nice. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you so much, Brianna, for sitting in this space with us as we discuss these realities of postpartum. You've just provided such thoughtful insight and I'm just really thankful for your openness and honesty. Of course. If you know me, you know I'm an open book. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was right up my alley. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're about to give birth or are newly pregnant or whatever stage of motherhood you might be in, my goal for this episode is definitely not to scare you, but just to make you aware of what is to come so you can prepare yourself mentally and deal with postpartum to the best of your ability. Yes, definitely. And if you have similar or different experiences postpartum, we would love to hear about it. So please connect with us through Instagram at underscore motherhood unfiltered. Thank you so much for tuning in with us. If you haven't already, we want to welcome you to connect with us on Instagram at underscore motherhood unfiltered. Thanks again for joining us.